Hey, what's up? Today we are joined by my good friend, BJJ Black Belt's Ruben Alvarez, who was a massive competitor back in the day, now does law enforcement, and there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, also my good friend Juan Rodriguez, who's a Hensel Gracie Black Belt. We're gonna talk about Eddie Bravo, jiu-jitsu, and a bunch of other cool stuff. Stick around. That should be a thing. They should have, it should be like Santa Claus, right? Like if you're a new jujitsu person in a school, like up until you get to be like a three-strike white belt, you have to believe in Lahanato Laraj. Like you tell story, everyone's school's got a picture of them, right? Like that could be some big funny shit, man. Like, and you just keep, you can see how long you keep it going for. When he first came out, I told everyone in, in the academy, and it was so hilarious, his first couple of videos. And, yeah. and his show, the Netherlands show, was, that was some hilarious. Well, I remember in the Mastering the Rubber Guard instructional. Remember that? Like, yeah. He, but that's, Eddie, I was, Eddie puts him to sleep. Yeah. yeah I was there for that, like, man. Oh, I was oh. one of the ones that carried, carried him out. Oh, there you yeah, go. That was one that carried him out. It was me, Epstein, I forget who else, carried him out the back door. Yeah, Epstein's yeah. another good dude. Yeah, dude, yeah. There's, there's some fucking OGs. I remember, um, like, I was like, Epstein was one of the first, first 10th Planet guys. I was like, five months after Epstein. I think Eddie just opened the school like six months, six or seven months. Cause it was, it was the bomb squad days back before anything else. That was back in the day, but that's crazy to see like, especially like how big like Eddie has gotten since like 2000, like his horror when everyone thought that was like the big thing and it was going to digress. And now it's in the EBI and, and um, you know, like it's fucking insane. Like he's well, got even, a humongous brand. Even the second match will Hoyler. Yeah. You know? That's true. He did really good in the second match with Hoyler. Yeah. Like, he was but pushing like, the pace the whole time. Hoyler didn't look like he got any better at anything. That's the thing. Like, Eddie's always like, because he's a huge pothead. And I, I'll say, like, he's 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 very creative. And he'll try shit. Like, students will fuck around with shit all the time. He'll be like, let me try that. No, if it works, great. And if not, fine. But, like, I, just, I looked at Hoyler and I just felt like it was just, I just didn't think he had a good, like, if you've ever trained with Eddie or Gee, those gi pants, lockdown and gi pants is fucking death. And I heard that Eddie said Hoyler made him wear those, which I thought was, man, he no thought sense. he could maybe exploit passing his guard better. But I'm like, oh, there's, because Eddie's lockdown is fucking death. It's really death to get out of. And it's just such a simple thing. It, it, it just looked to me like that's a position that Eddie's been a billion times in. And how many Hoylers, how many times has Hoyler right. been defending it? You know, like it's a positional thing for sure that Eddie just, executed i think his strategy into his into into finding that and again he just kept exploiting it and, and going even deeper and deeper into the next transition when things weren't necessarily working right away that was probably the most frustrating thing because i think like when you roll with the same people consistently like you start to like know how that role is going to go because they, they evolve the same way that's what used to drive me crazy about when i'd roll with eddie because i'd always just get caught in half guard and like i could stalemate out the time if i wanted to but then what the fuck was i really doing for that six minutes right just hanging out and going cool um but like you couldn't do anything if i tried to like exploit anything or any try and escapes i get swept or something. it's not a bitch it's such a powerful powerful situation do you, what do you think Hoyler could have done better to uh, overcome the diversity of Eddie? Uh, Hoyler's a legend. Is Hoyler's a legend? Like guy's really, really good. But just as always evolving. The thing I, I see with Eddie is that he's always learning from his guys. So he's like he'll go to Nate Orchard, ask him like, show me the dead orchard. He'll go to Boogie, ask Boogie to show him like the jersey hook thing that you know, or that Japanese necktie that that uh boogie's good at and then you'll go to geo and ask him what geo's doing you know and then you got a bunch of other dudes coming up so he's like learning new stuff that they're good at and trying that rather than hoyler i think all his guys have the same game yeah you know which is that traditional jiu-jitsu which is great you know it helps but 
It's evolution, man. You know, how are you going to be able to stop like barambolos and things like that unless you're trying and having guys do it to you? Yeah. You know, cross training too is big. Like you saw Eddie was with John Jack a lot and then he was going to his other guys' gyms, you know, and stuff like that. And he's got a whole network of guys that are good at their own things. So yeah he's got like a ton of them too that's like the whole like the communal knowledge from so many and they're all such like active competitors in the no gi space too and that was one of the things when i was training there with that he was like it was the only the way i found him was i called john jack machado's and i was like hey i was in town to fight like i was in town like a few weeks i was gonna fight adrian serrano and he needed like a no gi place to train and they're like well we only do no gi like twice a week here so you should go to eddie's though he's right down the street and that's kind of how i found eddie but like now you there's schools that just train no gi outside of 10th planet but like back then it was like you couldn't find the fucking Nogi school ever. Yeah, two of my black belts are opening up a gym in uh, the Kendall area, and they're just really doing more Nogi than Gi. They'll probably right. have Gi like two times a week, but the rest is going to be Nogi. Because it was like taboo for a while, right? Like it's like it was like oh, this is the martial art. If you didn't know, now it's it's being respected at its as its own kind of parallel martial art in the grappling space. Yeah, and, and I think like even in that sense, Eddie was ahead of his time. Eddie back then was the one who said, "No, we're only going to do Nogi in this school." And, and look to what that developed but yeah i, I mean just not that long ago uh, it was most academies that you knew about would do gi 90 percent of their training and no gi most of the time was like all right we take the gi off and we roll it wasn't really that you were specifically strategizing no gi ideas right yeah or drilling yeah i also heard that 10 planet also has a gi curriculum as well and not a lot of people know about I that i did not know that i did yeah. not know that i think we're getting pumped no, this is, this, know, is, this legit, is a 10 planet Easter egg, right? Legit. Uh, 10 planet Black Belt told me that That's cool. Eddie has a gi curriculum. I mean, it would make, that sense, makes sense, right? Like, why miss out on that untapped market and something? Like, if he puts out a course, someone's going to get it for sure. How do you adapt rubber guard? You know, gi or sorry, gi. So, you know, like, I think that um, we we did a we did a gi a gi day one time at 10 planet when I was there. Like, everybody and half of the guys had never even fucking trained in a gi, so that was just hilarious. But it's such a different world, man. It's such a slow. Like, I personally like as you get older, it's easier to train gi versus no gi because you innately slow down and my I feel my joints and like my brain. I'm like I'm still. 25 my body's like the fuck you are you know like see i feel the opposite like i'm getting older now and i feel like no gi's better for me than gi really why is that because uh the arthritis in my hands making the gi grips you know um mm. you know constantly if i go with a bigger <clears throat> person they're most likely gonna you know be able to make better grips and you know toss me around if they want to you know no gi i can actually control the, the scrambles and the holds rather than in gi you know it's like uh, guy does one break and then my fingers like pointed the other way i'm like damn yeah but yeah. i guess like from a competitive point of view though right like it would probably be be do you think you could compete longer no gi or gi um hmm. i think it really question. depends on the training partners and you know you you know how you train if you're going balls to the walls every day training longevity is going down you know if you're picking the right training partners and stuff like that like how many times have we gone in the gym and you're like, hey, who are you going to roll with? I'm like, I'm not rolling with any spazzy white belts today. I'm not going to mm -hmm. hurt. You know, I'll roll with the, the small blue belts, you know, the purple belts, you know, and go with them. And then some days I'm like, man, I don't feel good. Give me whoever you got. You know, it's all about knowing your body and when to read it. When you're young, when I was like 17, 18-year-old competitor, I was like, I didn't even warm up. I just walked on the mat and rolled a bunch and was fine, you know, was able to go out and have fun and then come back and roll again. And I was like, I got to take a pre-workout before I go into the gym you know, I got to talk to myself. I got to listen to like Metallica on the way in or something like that. You, you gotta know? pump yourself up. Yeah. To like I got to get ready for training. You know, <laughs> it's like, I just finished a nine to five. I got to go to, I got to go train now, you know, and find that energy. And then 
you walk in there and you know you stretch out a little bit and you're like hey this knee feels a little weird today this shoulder feels a little weird all right who am i gonna roll with well i'm gonna roll with the 145 pound blue ball not that way i could just do technique and not get hurt yeah you know and i roll with the 220 pound guy that's spazzing out or the super skinny guy that doesn't know where his elbows and knees are at and then you get sliced up you know i One. think uh, competition like what I, I would say competitors in the nogi will also last longer because if you if you were only in this idea to pick one of each, so those guys who compete gi at the highest level all the time, like Ruben said, their hands and grips had to be destroyed. When you see at that high level, the kind of pressure, how they stack you and pin you, and the pressure that you take to not get your guard passed, that's gonna be rougher in the body than that. I mean, nogi is is very rough too. But in that sense, in like the longevity of it, I, I would say nogi has to be. Yeah, I think as, as MMA has gotten more popular too and more mainstream, people have gravitated towards nogi more. I remember there was a time you guys probably remember this too. Like the guy, as soon as the the fights would hit the ground, people would start booing because they didn't yes. understand what the oh, fuck they were seeing. Yeah, you know, stand them up. You don't give a shit. You know, unless you were BJ Penn. Yeah, I remember in high school, like people, I told them I did jiu-jitsu and they're like, "What's that?" I'm like, uh, "It's like wrestling with submissions." You know, and then. I would just say submission wrestling. I wouldn't even tell him jiu-jitsu. That was your intro. See, I used to always say, well, come here, I'll show you, lay between my legs. And that was just not a good start. Hey, you look at another man in his eyes and you come to get in between your legs. I'm like, like, what? <clears throat> but that was like the first thing I think I learned was like guard stuff right back in like the mid-90s. I was like, oh, let me show you how cool it is. People just looking at you like, come on. Wait, what, what are you talking about? But, uh, I would like to hear the stories. How did you guys first find jujitsu? And like, at what point were you like, okay, this is some legitimate shit. Not karate, not the taekwondo, not the, you know, hapkido. This is, this is it. I'll let Juan go first. Oh, um, I found jujitsu at age uh, 23, 22, 23. Um, but I did other martial arts before. I did judo, I did aikido, I did uh, karate, I did kempo um, and loved them. If anything, I ended up kind of like changing because of having to move or, you know, situations like that. Um, and I found Jiu-Jitsu in 2007 uh, with uh, Professor Stan Beck in Weston in Hensos. And I walked out into the academy thinking, you know, this is this is something cool. You see it on TV, you see it on MMA. Uh, it seems like something you have to learn, you know, not necessarily thinking, you know, you're going to be really good at it or a specialist. And uh, just hooked, hooked, class one, hooked, class one, and... First week, first month, I, I bought into the everything about it. You know, the fighting, the philosophy, the lifestyle. It, it, the fake it, Brazilian accent. Everything, yeah, everything. Not yet, not yet. <laughs> I, I, I didn't get to Henato until like 2011. But, uh, <laughs> but back then, it was just, you know, again, it changed my life. I haven't done anything since. Uh, yeah, same thing. Lifelong martial artist. Dad was, had me in karate when I was little. And then did soccer, baseball, all that stuff. And then... Um, yeah, I got like really overweight in like middle school and then I was getting like bullied and I would fight the bullies back, but I didn't know how to fight. So I'd get my ass kicked. And then um, there was a flyer, uh, like a highlighter yellow flyer that was going around my school. My grandmother grabbed it and said, uh, Aikido, attention Aikido. And I was like, oh, Aikido, cool. Who, what's, what's Aikido? And I asked my dad and he's like, oh, that's the stuff Steven Seagal does. I'm like, yeah. Steven Seagal, Alfred Justice, Under Siege. Yeah. Oh. He, he knows everything. Yes. I'm like, I want to I wanna go under that. Turns out, uh, the instructor that ran it, um, his name was George Angulo. He was a fifth degree black belt under Steven Seagal. Um, and he learned from Seagal for, for a while and all that stuff. And then he also did jiu-jitsu. He was a blue boner, Mike Cardozo. So I did Aikido for a little bit, you know. Um, 
And then he would teach a little bit of jujitsu. And I was like, all right, this ground stuff's legit. And then one day we're sitting in his gym in the dojo and he shows me this video of Gracie's in action. And I'm watching Hoyce just beat up a bunch of dudes. I'm watching Hoyler beat up a bunch of dudes. I'm watching Hickson, watching Hickson on the beach, like just mess up that dude. And I'm like, I look at him, I go, hey, can these guys kick your ass? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing on keto? <laughs> I need to be doing this shit. So, um, you know, I ended up training uh, for a little bit with uh, with his instructor, Mike Cardozo. He would come Tuesdays and Thursdays and teach at the Aikido gym. So I learned from him for a little bit. And then uh, Mike went and um, he was one of the original owners of FFA, a Freestyle Fighting Academy with the Avalon Brothers and, you know, Enrico Coco and all those guys. And then he separated and started his own thing called Extreme MMA. So I don't really have anywhere to train. So I went into the Valente brothers for a little bit under a guy named Carlos Valares, who's a black belt under Pedro and Guillermo Valenci. And uh, I trained with him for a little bit. And then Carlos uh, moved. And then I trained for, you know, like six months with uh, George Masvidal for a little bit at FFA. So George was teaching at uh, George, um, the Aikido gym Tuesdays and Thursdays. So I would learn from George <coughs> and back George then, was teaching at an Aikido school. Yeah. Tuesdays and Thursdays. What was George Masvidal teaching? He was just like teaching boxing, wrestling, jujitsu. You know, it was, uh, it was an affiliation program with FFA. This is before he had done. So he'd done pro before fights. Before he, he did, uh, the backyard, the backyard fights. Ooh. Like he was before like backyard fights. He was like three and Oh, like, uh, okay. pro MMA. He was just starting out. You okay. Know? It's back um, in the day. Yeah, like it's before Bellator. That's why I met him was Bellator. Yeah, way eight. before even Bodog fights. Before Bodog too. Before oh, wow, Bodog, okay. yeah. Um, and uh, I trained with him for a little bit, and then I competed under FFA for a little bit, and then uh, Mike ended up opening his gym, and I went to Mike's because it was close to my house. So I trained full time with Mike Cardoza. I got all the way up to purple belt, and then um, there was a big split in the gym. A lot of the the competitors and stuff they all like left or got jobs or whatever. And uh, it was just me and a couple of, like, white and blue belts. And I was purple belt competing at, like, the expert levels and stuff, going against black belts and brown belts. So I ended up meeting Roberto Cyborg Abreu when he was in a small gym on Alton Road and uh, in South Beach. Trained with him for a few years. Uh, trained a little bit under Wagner Rocha. And then I had a split from the Fight Sports VRMA team and went over to Tom DeBlast now. And I've been with Tom for, like, six, seven years now. Tom's uh, Tom's going to be on the – when's Tom going to be on the show? Tuesday? This that's uh, coming Tuesday, right? Yeah, yeah, Tuesday, right? I think it's Tuesday. Tom. Yeah, so What's... under Tom DeBlast now, I've been under him for you know about five or six years now, maybe a little bit more. You know, I, I like the Tom's like one of the guys that the more I read, most people's Instagram posts, there's just like self flagellary Like it's like fucking, I don't want to watch. Tom's like one of the few guys whenever he posts, I like take a minute to read it because like you could tell he like genuinely just has like a good heart. Like he's like he a messages, family guy. He messages everybody back and he's helped a lot of dudes out. You yeah, know? for sure. So when I went through the split, he helped me out and he's took me under his wing and he gave me my stripes. He gave me my first degree and my second degree. So, you know, he's been nothing but a good dude to me. We won't even talk for like months on end and he'll just send me random texts. Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. Need anything? No, I'm good. You need anything? No. All right, cool. Talk to you next time. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, but always supporting each other. That's good. Yeah, Tom DeBlast has had his fingerprints on a lot of guys' games, like from that Hell Henzo, like, you know, like expanded East Coast family there, and from Gary Tonin to Gordon Ryan and you and all those guys. Tom's been a, unless you're like a huge jiu jitsu nerd, some people don't really know who Tom DeBlast is, unless they're like really into like 
doing the backgrounds on the Gary Tonians and how these guys trained and stuff. But Tom's an OG, man. And he's been in Abu Dhabi and done oh, yeah. amazingly too. Like not only a great teacher, but a great competitor himself. Yeah, yeah, great, great solid dude. He's not one of those that he fakes the funk on Instagram and in real life. He's not the same dude. Yeah, no. That, that's one dude I wouldn't want to like. Be, be, be him being mad at me, you know, like yeah, yeah the, you I, know what I'm saying. Like, ooh. got like a voicemail from him. I can see, but like his, he he sounds so. Uh, I gotta listen to his. Uh, He's got the Jersey accent. Yeah, like I gotta know. I gotta pull up one of the Dude. Tom DeBlast jersey. I'll open the door for him, sir. Please go ahead. Tom, Tom DeBlast jersey <laughs> accent here. Let's just see if I can. Uh, let's see if we can just. Yeah. Tuesday or Thursday, like any time earlier, like uh, any time between like ten and like twelve. He can, tell, next he can tell he's driving yeah. or he's sending that message, bro. He's always, like, driving either <laughs> at the academy or something like that, and he tries to get back to everybody. It's crazy. Yeah, man. He stays busy. He, I, You know, it's, I totally brain farted that he was coordinating the ADCC mm -hmm. trials. Right. He's like, man, I'm, I'm doing – I want to – like, well, let's figure something out, but I'm doing ADC this weekend. And I was like, good luck. <laughs> I didn't even fucking yeah. – like, like, later I'm like, oh. I was like – because my thought was like – He's still going after it after all these years, right, like yeah. representing for us, uh, us older cats. But and I it, saw him ref on everything. Too, yeah, so no, he's he not. Was all in. He wasn't competing. I know. He, he I know. Organizer. He organizer. He yeah, yeah, he's the organizer yeah. now. He he retired from competition. Yeah. yeah, that's what I thought too. But I didn't. When, when he first said he's like, I'm doing ADCC this weekend, the and trials. Like, oh crap! I was like, you're doing the trials this weekend. I didn't realize he's actually fucking doing the trials. Like, God, what a fucking headache. How many like? It's it's nuts to see like. You, like, you look back at like some of the goofballs that were like winning the first like few Abu Dhabis, or just in terms of like how good they were compared to the, the level of talent that's coming out now, even on the trials levels. Like, holy shit, is like the the knife sharpening the or iron sharpening iron, huh? The, the growth is exponential. It's crazy. Like now you're seeing 16, 17 year olds <coughs> that are moving. Like we've been seeing very few people moving competition. That 16 year old just won the trials. The cold, cold uh, the bats, yeah. You know, insane, insane. insane. And I mean, all those guys coming out of the, the of jiu-jitsu academy you know uh what's the older one the black belt who's now winning everything who was the purple superstar brown belt superstar um his name mikey musumichi's wearing a bunch of stuff um, um no from from atoms yeah. uh, oh from uh, the rotella oh twins. yeah yeah the rotella twins no, no but they're from they, the yeah. from the ro jiu-jitsu i'm saying yeah someone's been in the chat room like with this name like you guys yeah, dude it's you guys killing shit, me you didn't that, know that, dude you know what i there's so many i don't keep up with the jiu-jitsu scene anymore you know i'm just so busy with work i barely well, that's I barely watch jujitsu. I'll see like a couple of things on Flow Grappling, and I'm like, "Holy crap! It's evolved so much." Because when we started jujitsu, it was like for fights. Yeah, and there were in, in like eighty percent of the guys that were the guys had the last name Gracie, so you'd hear that, and you go, "Wait, who was the the which one of the the Gracies was fighting?" But like now, nah, yeah, it's insane. It's just like the UFCs. You know, there was a point where you know you put a, you'd say there was a UFC on, we top to bottom, you know everyone on the card, you were excited from. Now I'm like, people are like, "Whoa, did you watch the UFC this weekend?" I'm like, "Bro, I probably haven't watched a fight for." three years man like unless it was like a big name like a title Somebody fighter you know. yeah. or like if yeah exactly like masvidal's fighting or like the if it's roster like a, is so big so deep it's insane it's it's bananas hey, hey that black belt was a tainan dalpar that guy is winning i don't even know who that is thing. yeah i don't I have no clue who that is so he's good at jujitsu i hear he's really good. he's really, really good. Good. that's well that's what's crazy too is like you think like 
the guys like um, if you were going into martial arts or you going into college, right? And you played football or you were athletic, you, you had a certain career path after college. Wrestling was like the only dead end. Like if I'm a super athlete and I can fucking do football or wrestling, well, football, because maybe now guys are like, well, not only MMA, but maybe if I get really good at this, I can make a living because Gordon Ryan's going to claim me making millions of dollars a year from grappling. And, you know, if, if the sport, why the fuck is the sport not a, uh, how do we not have jiu-jitsu in the fucking Olympics, man? That that's boggles my mind. Have you seen the shit that's in the fucking Olympics? I mean, it's all political. If you look at it, anything political, you know, with any organization, it's all politics. You know, you just have to eventually one day somebody's going to come in the Olympics and be like, yeah, jujitsu is going to be there. And we've read the articles where jujitsu slated to be in the Olympics, but it hasn't happened yet. I wonder, I wonder why though. Cause like jujitsu is a huge community and it's a pretty financially affluent community. You look at like all the sheiks and there's so much money and like guys that are connected. Like it seems like if you had to position a sport to have the right relationships and monetary resources to petition and do what you needed to, unless they're just like, do you like, do you want to try to fucking drug test all those Brazilians? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like you know, it's going to be That's the only thing. Thing, why they don't want to do it you know and they probably figure out that we already have our own olympics which is like the worlds the right. adcs yeah. you know all that stuff the ebis <coughs> and all that and they can't offer like what what like these tournaments are offering cash prizes like look at right. the ebi mm-hmm. well, and i don't know how that would work too because if you're like the olympics are supposed to be all amateurs right so i mean i know that there's ways basketball players compete but like for the most part you're supposed to be an amateur in the olympics so and, I, don't, I wonder how that would work from a monetization point of view if yeah. they got yeah. paid and if you wanted to watch it in the olympics would you watch it in the gi the no gi you do both i know i would rather watch it in the no gi for sure I rather no but, gi. but i'm saying then do you do both out of like okay this is jujitsu yeah. jujitsu no gi or we call it Open think, grappling. What do we do? <clears throat> I think that we're just so excited to get some jujitsu, some grappling in there that isn't fucking Niwaza from judo for ten seconds before they stand you up. That, um, you know, if, if it's got to be gi, I'm gonna be like, you know, I'm gonna, I can live with this. Like we're we're making headway. It's just crazy that it's still not. They tried to get MMA, which is nuts too, because like pancreation was like the first fucking actual Olympic sport, and then we did the full circle, and it's like not there anymore. But we gotta get jujitsu in the. Uh, the Olympics. We're going to start a petition right now to get you. There's probably like a thousand petitions. Millions. There's going to be so many. Yeah. Like, I wonder. I wonder if it's like a, like a global thing. You, you've heard before the argument of like the maybe the IBAF itself not, you know, mm. not wanting it because you're going to, you know, now be under control and all of that. But it wouldn't make sense, man. If you make jujitsu an Olympic level sport, your own organization is going to jump yeah, up. So I don't think that argument is bad. The IBJJF really. has deep pockets. They do. You know, they have they very do. deep pockets. Maybe they don't want them looking into them. Like, listen, like $160 a tournament. They got to have deep pockets. But, but, <laughs> but then what makes the IBAJF the head of like jujitsu? Why can't the Olympic Committee create the Olympic Committee jujitsu? You know, like, yeah. is it that straightforward that one company who, who traded market, you know, where the International Jiu Jitsu Federation gets to the side? I, yeah, I don't think so. Apple and Samsung, they could be, there could be a bifurcation of powers there. Yeah, yeah the IBG, IB, IB, God, it's like too many letters. IBBJ. JF, right? Yeah. Isn't there no, IBJJF. Yeah. I always, that's why I never joined. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't figure out where to send my check. <laughs> yeah, I got my black belt card one time, and then they're like, "Hey, sixty bucks renew." I was like, "Yeah, no, I'm good." Yeah. Well, the only downside I is had like, to get it because if you don't have it, then you cannot have your academy register. Then your competitors cannot register under your academy for IBJJF event. So like, so they they can register. They so, cannot. <clears throat> your competitors can't register under Hensa Gracie for Lola or, or, or oh yeah Juan yeah. Rodriguez yeah. I mean but like who like I don't know like IBBJF it's good because you get a lot of matches in um, you know like but like it's expensive like, it's fucking so expensive I did like one I think I did the Nogi Worlds or an IBGF. <laughs> 
<laughs> thing that I ever did, man. And it was like, I remember being like fucking mad expensive to get a membership and then pay fees. Like, mm-hmm. oh, what a cash grab, right? Mm-hmm. Like you said, the ADCC is like the Olympics, which it is. But the thing that we miss is the that, that sheen of calling it the Olympics and having a medal and gold medal attached. Because like Gordon Ryan, let's say he's making $2 million a year right now, right? From in seminars. And it's probably a safe bet, right? right around there, and the videos, right? That's yeah, where most of the money got to come from. Yeah, the videos. Video sure. sponsorships with marketing, you know, like yeah. he has a shirt coming out, like shorts coming out, rash guards, you know. And Jitsi is the biggest heart of fanboys I've ever seen, you know. So everybody <laughs> wants to wear, you know, what their favorite grapplers wearing. And that's all good, you know, yeah. like that's cool, you know. Shit, if Gordon gave me a shirt, I'd wear it too, you know, because yeah. he's a buddy. I would, I would support him and buy a shirt, you know, but, um, yeah, he's making a lot of good monetary gains from jujitsu, but look what he had to do. He had to become a bad guy to get all the, all these gains. Like, do you think that like, I've only met Gordon, I've only met Gordon a couple times. Do you think that Gordon's and he was really, he was polite and, and very awesome when I did. So I'll put the disclaimer out there, but like in, in terms of, if you just look at him from a social media perspective, he comes across a little bit cocky, for sure, right? And and look, he's the best in the world. Yeah, I, nobody's, nobody's saying cookie. he's not. But do you think that that's like that's like the Conor McGregor thing where he's just trying to help sell the image a little more? Or do you think it's just he's also like young, great shape, a bad motherfucker with money? I mean, it's making him and his opponent money, you know. So it is what it is. As long as you don't, you know, you could you could berate my jujitsu, you could berate me as a character. Just don't do it to my family or my friends, you know. Right. That's fine. It's, at the end of the day, it's just words, you know, and if he's making money for myself to grapple him and he wants to talk all the shit he wants about me and make make me more money, by all means, keep talking yeah, shit about me. That's true. You know, some of these guys don't see that. They get so emotionally invested, you know, like, look how big the Andre Gavao and him match for ADCC is right now. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's huge. The biggest it's ever. It's probably, probably like the biggest probably ever. The biggest I think ever. one championship signed Galvao. I think that they're they, trying they to steal they that did. match. I led them. Let yeah. them be too. But look, now that you have let bid offers, now let, let them get paid. Now you have bid offers. Well, hey, look at Metamorphs with, with Eddie and, and Hoyler. Look how yeah. big that got. You know, so it's just getting bigger and bigger mm-hmm. and bigger. And I remember when Gordon was just a purple ball wearing a rubber ducky rash card, grappling uh, at Grappler's Quest, and yeah. nobody knew who the fuck he was. You know, and he he hasn't changed to me. He's still the same dude. Like every time I've seen him, he's always been cool with me, and he's always been the same with Ryan. Now on Instagram, he's got to make his money, man. Yeah. And I'm all for it. And another thing too is, you know, he, if he says he's going to do it, he's going to do it. Yeah. Like when he told Gavala to back away, oh, I'm going to stop mm-hmm. the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. Stop the shit out of him twice. Well, even the other side of the coin, how, what about calling the triangle with like Wagner Rocha? How fucking insane is that to be able to do that at such a high level guy? That's like some sniper shit. I mean, if you see the way that him and the Donaher guys train, they, they, they're so confident in their jujitsu because they know how to systematically approach these guys. Like they study them, you know, and they, they make it their profession. They're like professionals. Like they study tape. They do this. They, it's not just, you know, like how we go and just flow. They're not flowing. They're systematically breaking you down. Yeah. You know, it's really crazy how John has brought it to like a whole new level. We'll talk about that in a second. But the thing I was making the idea with like the ADCC versus the, the Olympics and why I think it is important that we're in the Olympics is because if you have the, if you're the Olympic gold medalist now, that sponsorship money is 10 times what you're you getting taxed. I'd rather get taxed fifty percent on twenty million than you know thirty percent on two million. But so. we we don't know how much they're because I remember I saw like a for like the wrestlers you know they were getting this and that and they have to really they have to really go off of the, the endorsements you know like yeah you know like how many Olympic 
like athletes do you see like oh yeah mcdonald's you know Home i'm Depot. loving it yeah. when, when when do you see like because the americans don't win any fucking Olympics when do you anymore. see that when do you see them eating a big mac before training yeah you know they're not loving it they're loving the cash you yeah. know so they have to do that to be able to get monetary gains but you don't see a lot of rich olympians no way you know but then adcc hey man you won first place cool hard 60 g's you know come and grapple the best dudes you get the belt and you get to come back and you have the bragging rights adcc champ yeah well i think you ain't getting taxed super fine i think what's even more important now is like the ability like because got you're able to monetize through the digital media properties so quickly like the brand is so like if if you want adcc and you had to pay 50 grand you'd probably pay the tax to win adcc just so you could be like i'm the champ and I can use that as a credential because I mean these guys are making so much money off. I think, I think uh, what I mean, like Jeff Glover who hasn't is been, been an active competitor in a while. I think and he said it on the show made like fifty grand just from from Jeff Glover who's who's a stud. But like he's not like if you say name three jiu-jitsu guys like right now he's not competing right. So like imagine the guys like the Craig Jones and the the guys that are like actively out there like oh God bless they're probably raking it in. So it's right, you got rich guys wanting to teach at their gyms like hey yeah. I'll build you this gym just come and teach and I'll pay you a salary yeah. just for your name. I wasn't like that 12, 13 years ago, you know? It's crazy to think, like, how much better can jiu-jitsu get? Cause it's I think get, a lot better there. But, like, then, so, okay, so if you could, if you see, like, there's light at the end of the tunnel, but well, then how do we not know what that is? Like, I almost feel like on some level, we, we, we don't know what the next level of jiu-jitsu is. <laughs> you want to see something cool between a bunch of jiu-jitsu guys? Yeah. Throw a shock knife in between a bunch of jiu-jitsu guys. You'll see a good match. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've i've seen you ever seen with those shock knives the edges they fucking zap you yeah like my jiu-jitsu has uh has changed dramatically from you know like competing for like getting ready for adcc's and stuff like that to now like fighting for edge weapons you know firearms stuff like that you get to really see how how like uh systematically you approach your jiu-jitsu now and how primitive you get too like it's not like as flowy as you would think it's now you're really using your head. You're using like your literally, yeah, yeah. Like you're pushing your head in. You know, you're doing a lot of crazy things. You know, and I learned this from Craig Douglas from Shivworks, who's uh, he's a brown belt in jujitsu, and he has uh, the company called Shivworks, which they do stuff like that. And he goes, "Dude, you want to see like a good jujitsu match? Just throw a shock knife or a rubber a rubber knife in between rolls." And he goes, "I do it all the time in my gym." And I watch these like dudes that are doing barambolos, bro. They're like grabbing the knives and like trying to barambolo and, and do crazy <laughs> stuff. And he goes, it's crazy, dude. And you see how they fight for that that knife. They get so like fixated on that blade. Or you know, you throw like a like a little like you know sim gun with like the paint paint rounds. And you watch dudes fight for it. It's crazy. Yeah. You know? What was the biggest takeaway? Like, what was the biggest adjustment you had to make? Uh, I didn't want to be on the bottom too much. You know, I always wanted to be on top. <coughs> um, you know, trapping and holding. Yeah. Um, you know, knowing when I can and cannot. You know, do things. You know, it's not as flowy as you know regular jiu-jitsu is like butterfly guard you know half guard you know right it's it's a constant like you know now you have another thing you have to be worried about are you always obviously you're always you concerned about your sidearm but are you ever are you actively protecting it during like a, a full altercation or is it are you more worried about restraining and you're just being cognizant of the fact that you have well it? you know it's like uh yeah i'm i'm being cognizant of where it's at at all times, but I'm also worried about what the other guy has because I don't know what he has in his waistband or what he's doing either. So now I have to look at his hands, you know, try to like, you know, touch the dude, feel like any type of like, you know, bulges of a knife or a gun, you know, not the excitement bulge, but, you know, things like that and um, figure out what's going to happen next. You know, what am I going to do now? 
Am I going to try to get to the back? Am I going to try to do this? You see a lot of sport moves don't really work. So it's, it's crazy. It, it opened my eyes up a lot, you know? Um, is there a big emphasis on like jokes over joint manipulation or is it pretty split? I mean, usually I'm, I'm trying to get more control than anything like that. I'm not trying to, you know, do strangles or, you know, small joint manipulation. I'm just trying to, you know, establish where, you know, I have them pinned where I could do something to my, you know, advantage. Like cuff them or just. Not even that, just like hold them, pin them. You know, it's not really much of like a cuffing thing. It's more of like, you know, fighting, getting double underhooks, you know, trapping one arm, you know, holding that arm, you know, where's this other arm at? What's around me? What tools do I have? You know, it's, it's pretty crazy. That sounds like fun. It is. It is. I I was like, man, I don't know if I want to do this. And then I started doing it, you know, for work and I'm like, that shit's fun. Yeah, and you, you, it's a real skill too. Like it's that's one of the things. Um, like when I uh, like the Krav Maga, we'll talk about that. For a second. Like the Krav Maga that I saw here when when I did Human Weapon and went to Israel, I had a completely different respect for Krav Maga because it's like the jujitsu you learn in like um, you know fucking some of DVD versus like the jujitsu you're learning or you're teaching in law enforcement. That's that's real practical shit. Not like this is the stuff that makes right. seminars. Because I remember get paid. on your episode, I was a kid watching it and. I remember Thanks, you, man. Thanks. I gotta remind you. I was really young when you were <laughs> old. I remember you like double legged some dude. The chick was on the show, right? There's like an Israeli chick. There's always, yeah. There's always chicks on the show too. Well, <laughs> you know, I meant like a crash. <laughs> I meant like an one Israeli. way or another. There's there like were a chicks. Fem- there's like a female Israeli combatives instructor or something like that. I remember you just double legged dude. Like double legged one dude, and then another guy just came in. And like, oh, that was at the end. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. For a second there, I was like, "Is he confusing my show with Fight Quest?" Because that happens all the fucking time. No. People are like, "Bro, I loved your show, Fight Quest." I'm like, I just stopped correcting. I'm like, "Thank you very much. Thank you." <laughs> yeah. 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 That. Yeah. That was. Well, it was. It was interesting because, like, you know, there's one of the things that I really gravitated towards from a martial arts perspective is that we get really focused on like most people want to learn just the technical physical aspects of the martial arts. And it's easy to not talk about or think about like the psychology of, you know, like if I, if I'm fighting you versus I'm fighting you and I got to protect my daughter, that's a different fucking scenario. You got to think about like, you know, and, and like, that's something that I think that even when I try to teach, I try to talk to the, the guys about like, Hey, you know, being on your back in the street sucks. You might want to think about like, like jump into your back, you know, and it's a boot stomping contest. So like, like we work off of the walls and it's funny cause I was talking to Gary Tonin and he was like, yeah, we just, I just started working off the kids. Cause nobody, you know, shows that in jujitsu. And I'm like, God, our guys and Hensel's doing it already. Cause look, there's a fucking wall everywhere in this room. Right. You know, like your jujitsu stops working here. Yeah. You know, so like, what are what are some of the things you think? Do you think these schools need to teach more kind of all encompassing aspects, or do you think they were they're pigeon held by keeping it kind of neat and pretty? That's I mean, a question. It's, for both it's really I, I look at, at it as like mission specific. Like, what what are you doing in your life right now? Are you are you an active jiu-jitsu competitor that just com- constantly is competing on a mat, and not really worrying about like you know self defense stuff? By all means, keep doing that. If you want to add in a little bit of self defense, just for preservation uh, status, like if you're walking down the street or something, cool too. But you're a competitor. You want to start competing. You got to be the best. You got to put all your time into it. You know, like for me now, it's like, I'm not a competitor anymore. So when guys always ask me, Hey, are you going to compete soon? No. You know, I'm, I'm on a different mission set now in my life where it's more of my job where I, now my goal is just make it home at the end of shift. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess that, that does make uh, a lot of sense what the end game result is. But I mean, Juan, you own a martial arts school. The average person that walks in, out of 10 people that walk in, how many of them, I would imagine 80% of there because I want to learn self-defense. And then there's a couple that either didn't know they wanted to be competitors, like the Renees, and then you can't get the kid out of the freaking gym. Or um, there's the guys that, you know, they saw the UFC, you know, I want to go be a bad dude. And that's usually the guy that you get guy gets booted three months in or can't hang anyways. Um, is, are most of the people that come in where do you see them kind of line up? I think um, I would say a, a very high number, 90, above 90% come in, uh, you know, with curiosity. Yes, some people think self-defense, but it might be like I've been an MMA fan for a long time. I've been a martial arts enthusiast and practitioner. And, um, you know, that's how kind of they find they, 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 they self in. What the funny percentage might be is, like you said, how many fall in love in the competitive side which they probably never thought of themselves they were going to compete day one. But again, they thrive there. How many of them become more like regular, you know, jujitsu practitioners who might compete once or twice or might never compete, but love it on an integral part of the gym and the community. Um, and then you're right. And then you have the guys that you have your, your hopes set when they first come in because they look in good shape. Yeah, I, I want to compete. And two, three videos in, they're like, you know what? This is not for me. Yeah. So it, it's it's so rare the guy like I was talking to Nicky Rod and um you know his like three weeks in his jitsu he won like a black belt tournament <laughs> like, yeah he, I heard that black guy that was insane smoked guys so talented. I'm like that's like you're just running over that that's crazy because if you ever said All right, this guy's a black belt in jitsu even like the average run of the mill okay black belt like you're gonna get your ass beat by a wrestler I guess at the end of the day I mean yeah I guess it how tired did how, he get yeah, him how, how tired did he get him for sure he turtle he's sure. like I'm fine I'm a black belt I'm gonna turtle and this kid put hooks oh, put him belly down took yeah. him down 49 times I'm just guessing remember jiu-jitsu is lazy too man yeah. jiu-jitsu is very flowing true you know and wrestling is just grit mm. you know like yeah. when have you ever met a lazy wrestler yeah, not a good. Not at level. a high level. Like, not a good. Met a lazy wrestler. They all have good work ethic. Yeah. That's why you, you know they did such a good job in, in MMA transitioning. The guys like Matt Hughes, who didn't put his hands together for years, but you know just that work ethic and that drive and that carries over. The the story of Nicky Rudd driving like six hours a day to go train in Manhattan, like wow, that's that's crazy. like driving to Orlando to train and coming back to South Florida every day plus yeah. traffic plus whatever it costs. To just go and, and and he that's what he said right like he yeah. he he loved the training there right like he was like oh these guys are gonna challenge me like that's what kind of psycho he is right he's like oh yeah yeah I mean that's that's a freaking commitment you know the crazy thing now is that like the last conversation he had he and I had he said that I was asking if the whole split you know is that like a real thing or what's because everyone was like ah this is for marketing and now I, I truly believe it was like some issues but um, whatever the case is. Gordon Ryan's arguably, and um, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge Marcelo Garcia fan, but like I gotta say, okay, Gordon Ryan is is the most prolific grappler of my generation. So, um, with a, a runner-up of Marcelo Garcia, I think ever. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Well, yeah, you're probably. I mean, true. I'm 40. I don't remember. Is Jiu-Jitsu been around before? <laughs> like, yeah. When was Elias? Yeah, Dude, they I, were doing I, shit. I, I would dare to say he's probably the most talented grapple grappler ever. You think? I mean, he's, a, he's competing at the highest level. Yeah, match after true. match, calling up submissions, submitting guys who we don't see get submitted without a lot of effort and literally doing the moves that he's teaching. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's an advertising tool. I'm gonna teach you from the mount how to pin the guy. Blah 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 blah. And he does it and doesn't seem like he struggles a lot right it's not a back and forth that the hero wins at the end he just i think it's just a different era like you know every every area has a great guy because remember when leo vera came on the scene yeah he was the only guy doing cartwheels and like doing like crazy, crazy stuff and... or look at that 
you know, not a lot of dudes know about Terere and how great that guy was, you know, and then Jacare was one of the best ones too, you know, and then Damian Maya and then Marcelo. It seems like everyone. Roger. I mean, don't don't, yeah. don't don't get me wrong. I, I think it would be an amazing match to see Hoyer and um, Gordon at their prime both. Like, right. I, I'm, Hoyler I'm, I'm, and Gordon? No, uh, Hoyer. No, Roger Grayson. Oh, Hodger. At their oh, greatest. Yeah, Not yeah, now. Yeah. At their greatest. I think it would be a mythical match. I just think he's just so technical. And that's what, like, going back to that conversation about Jiu-Jitsu, is Jiu-Jitsu going to get better? Yes. 20, 30 years ago, you couldn't share knowledge between academies. Yeah. There's no crazy. such thing as cross-training. Right. Yeah. That's, that's why it's still like go that. go to open mats in other schools. Why are we better today? Because of cross-training, because of YouTube, because of video sharing, and we're getting to this. Now people are creating these systems and these ways of teaching and balancing the knowledge down to these teenagers who've been training for 10 years now. And I think in 10 years, we're like, the, again, the jiu-jitsu that you watch no-gi nowadays compared to the first Abu Dhabi no-gi, Technically, if you're like reviewing it, it's like a, a whole different level. It's just so you know if you're you like the pressure on a guy like Gordon, right? Like I mean, on some level, there's there's a massive amount of confidence because I mean you're you're calling the moves on guys that are fucking murdering ninety nine percent of the guys in competitions. So like, talk about like at some point he's got to lose. Whether it's one week, one year, ten years, twenty. I mean, I assume right. If you compete long, the longer he competes, the more likely it is he doesn't have to lose the more likely it is, right? If you had to see one competitor out there now, do you think that uh, Nicky Rod down the road has the skill set because he trained with him for a long time, maybe knows him or maybe not, or is just too far behind? Do you think that could be a solid threat to Gordon? For sure. And and I think his confidence speaks a lot about what he's doing in the training room because you also see him cross training. And when he was in New York, some of the most amazing athletes and grapplers would go on train. And again, the, the what you hear behind closed doors is that he, you know, he would play with him so that's why he's so confident and as far as Nicky Rudd I could see Nicky Rudd with a couple more years of drilling and whatever he's doing keep doing getting getting to a close level and uh, I'm excited to see also like a Craig Jones match with Gordon I think Craig Jones is also another is an amazing grappler all time you know yeah what do you think you think that there's someone out there that can give Gordon a run for his money right now or is that to be determined I think it's to be determined but at the end of the day father time doesn't wait for any man yeah you know it's going to catch up to you eventually there's always going to be somebody that's going to come that's better you know that has the better psyche I guess to grapple you know sees things differently you know reads things differently and like you know styles make matchups you know there's mm -hmm. probably a style out there that Gordon can't face or you know, Nicky Rod can't face or something like that, that, you know, just right now we haven't seen one. But at the end of the day, those guys are all studs and they've been. In I mean, Felipe Pena. Yeah. Pena had a you know, very that's a nice, good point. you know. That's a good point. How <laughs> come that match hasn't happened a third time? He beat him twice, right? He beat him twice. Fucking when defended the outside heel hook to the back both times, rear naked choke, I'm pretty sure. Or did he not tap him the second time around? I, think I, it, I have no the idea. The first time he tapped him, the yeah. second time in Abu Dhabi, I, th I think it. Uh, vice versa did he not tap in the first i don't remember i think no the first time he tapped him gordon got tired he yeah he, he, he was sick that I week he, or something i don't think he beat him the second i think it was points or advantage yeah it was, like, was on the second one but it yeah. was on the second in the first abu dhabi that gordon went where he won weight and he lost in the semis against yeah so he got gold and silver i mean and, and bronze probably yeah because i remember in the first match they did a studio 540 uh-huh it was like right after gordon beat keenan Yep. But um, I think Gordon was sick that one. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he still grappled and yeah. then lost. You know, but you could tell he wasn't himself. And then the second one was points. You know, points. um, but maybe like in a sub only format. Oof. 
I don't think you Felipe know. wants that. I think yeah. he's like, you know what? I'm 2-0. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, yeah, like because he keeps telling him to put on the gi and stuff, and he's like, dude, come on. Yeah, that's not. Like, know? Remember, Gordon talked about doing some gi comps. There was pictures of him. Oh, and then he was like, there was pictures yeah. of him training. I Gordon's good in the gi too, man. You yeah, know? Of he's course good. Sure. I, I you can't be bad. that. You can't be that good at no gi and suck in the gi. Yeah. You just can't. You're yeah. Like your your suck is you didn't win like maybe the your division in a golden world. Like you got bronze. That's your version of sucking. But yeah, I'm sure he's a stud. Everything translates. No gi translates to gi, right? Like for a long, a big part of that. Do you think his health issues might might play a role into his how long his career is? And has he's an he's under Vatimbenson in jujitsu? Has he been training as hard as he did before? Yeah. Is that is that gonna catch up to him too? I don't and know. Like you said, yeah. I agree. We all get older, and at some point, you lose the hunger for a little bit. Something happens. You know, like it, it's gonna happen. That's what I think is more uh, concerned is the guys that I see fall off at high level competitions. It's it's usually um, if it's not a catastrophic injury like a career ender, it's usually a mental thing. They just get they're just like they don't want to burn down. They just fucking burned out. It's hard being at the top. And the thing that's you like from an MMA perspective, I think that really it, it breaks my heart the most is that guys that the other one is the one that nobody talks about is like the guys that are getting addicted to fucking opioids oh. and painkillers hmm. only because they sacrificed not because these guys are drug addicts. No. They never touched a fuck. I'm not gonna say this, but like these guys that haven't touched drugs in their lives and they were in the top five in the UFC got an injury and got put on fucking hydrocodone uh, 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 drugs. Yeah. And um, and you know, they were then they're like fucking Jones in form and it just it changes everything. It's crazy. Luckily, that hasn't been like a thing that we've really heard about in the jiu-jitsu community. We've got steroids locked down there. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, although they they test now, right? Is USADA testing or who's who's the governing body? So now IBAF in the world championships, I'm pretty sure they test the podium mm-hmm. so they don't test every athlete because again that's that's not going to make sense for them but they test the podium and it has happened in the past that people get their medal um yeah, taken away so. took like uh remember he took like one of the old like yeah he know. said that after he won the goal he had someone yeah. and my acai parto is too it's too strong from a gnc but it wasn't but it wasn't even steroids it was like dmaa you know and that was on everything <laughs> it was on like jack 3d or something he took like a pre-workout jack oh 3D. really just like one yeah. of those like that any, like a any, trace of some remnant any, of some shit that was like a molecule yeah. similar to yeah and he popped you know Ugh. um there's been a few there's been a few you know and i don't blame brolio <laughs> even if he did take juice man that dude snapped his neck in half got a pin put in there and dude you're gonna have to take something to keep your body in shape to, yeah. Recover from that. And that was post that. That yeah. was after that happened. They I should bring back that. pride and let everyone just juice to the fucking hill. Just go crazy. Let's get bring bring Vitor back. Bring Vitor back. Bro, yeah, dude. dude. What if we could bring back like a prime nineteen year old Vitor Belfort? Just fucking juice to the gills. I mean, did you see him in his last boxing thing on the yeah. Yeah. Well, he, 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 he knocked out, he knocked the, out someone, right? Who was? Yeah. Oh no, it was Anderson Silva. Yeah, dude, the other dude's guy. in his late forties, early fifties, man. You know, you're yeah. If anybody knows anything about like anatomy and stuff like that, is like. Or your hormone levels are dramatically dropping by the time you get 30. You know, mm-hmm. you're dropping down. So And it's what you've been using for decades. Yeah. It might happen even faster. Yeah. That's like when, I mean, like, I used to love watching Pride, though, because you know they were all just sauced out of their fucking minds. Ricardo Arona. Remember Arona? Oh, just, yeah. I think it's cheaper to get juice in Brazil than it is to get whey protein. I think you know what's funny. I think Christ. I heard that too. That yeah. might be true. Just you know. Well, then that's ironic because then you need the protein to build. I was like, you're just taking a bunch of steroids. Oh, you see <laughs> a bunch of chicken or yeah, steaks yeah. or whatever because you know they're always barbecuing. Yeah, that's they're true. Always barbecuing. They're just always barbecuing. What kind of? Don't want to get bigger. That's Dude, you know funny. what I'm excited about? What are you excited about? The Craig Jones, Donald Cerrone, 
combat jujitsu match. How are you excited about that? I'm not. I think that's going to be gonna, two minutes gonna, of getting. He's going to beat up Donald, bro. Yeah, that's going to be that bro, easy. Not, no bro, chance. It, Zero chance. Yeah, because Donald. Donald's a kickboxer. So, yeah. like, that's what a, is he going to do? Is he going to? He can't slap punch him kick very him. hard. But yeah. you can but slap him. But he can slap him. Like, one has. I haven't seen too many people get knocked out with a slap in the combat jujitsu match. You do a combat jujitsu match with throwing in like 24 hour notice, right? Just like being average in shape, just for the money, not like a this knockhead Stroni, but like that's like a that's like a safe match for the average person if you're like a good black belt in jujitsu, especially when you're world class, right? Like Donald Stroni is not like a ninja on the ground, like he's not like like I mean he's a solid jujitsu guy, but like Craig I mean, Jones, I think is going to I mean for Craig, him. Craig outweighs him, you know. And oh, that's a good point. Craig's well, bigger than him, taller than him, you know, so it's going to play out in his favor. Like if you told me to go against Donald Stroni in like a week notice and come at jujitsu, I'd be like, no, I'm not in shape for that. You know, I'm not going to go against him. What's, uh, how do you think that ends though? Craig Jones heel hook? If he I, had to play psychic? I think so. Well, I think so. Triangle. He's going to elevate him with some wrist control and get him under the legs for sure. I yeah. think. When but is that match? It's like soon. It might be this weekend or next weekend. It's, it's happening soon. I had no idea that it's that happening was happening soon. You didn't, oh, it was a big, uh, it was all over Dude. Craig Jones. I'm, I mean, I, 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 I would put all page. my money on Craig Jones. I'm a big fan of him. But still, it's like, all right, combat jiu-jitsu. I haven't seen him doing combat jiu-jitsu. So it's like, okay, cool. Who knows? Maybe Craig Jones gets food poisoning and Donald Throne slaps the shit out of him, knocks can him out. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? That would be, that would be, listen, man, you, you put your, you, you hit in the right spot and you're Donald Throne. You, you, you might be yeah. fucking at least. What, what, but that's, you're only allowed to open palm on the ground, right? That's like on old school, ground. like, am, like, well, back the, before there was even amateur MMA, that was like yeah. a lot of the fights were open yeah. palm yeah. on the ground. Yeah. And all that, you remember? Yeah, but yeah. back then people used to slap themselves and now they, you know, like now they know exactly how to, like, it's like, like a training dude, how it's to like slap your, the right way. Yeah. It's like a yeah, they're hitting probably like boards at their house and to, shit, like Magua you know, boards. Whatever like going sand. back to the karate though, yeah, <laughs> sensei. Have buckets of sand, just, you just, kind of like just buckets of sand, <laughs> like ground and pounding. Yeah, like yeah. that would be a funny thing. They should have Donald Stroney like doing like some karate kid shit for fucking like that dude jumping motorcycle somewhere. Is just getting hurt. Yeah, sweep the leg, man. <laughs> uh, I want to check that out, my man. Well, I uh, I will let you guys have a life here on Friday. I appreciate you guys coming down and, and chatting and shooting the shit about jujitsu, man. That's uh, been been a blast. Thanks for having us, man. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, being sure. here. That was fun. That was fun.